welcome to the Super 90s Brothers. I'm your host, Brendan Pointer. Along with me is Adam J. Pitzler. How's it going, buddy? You turn the page, you wash your hands. You turn the page, you wash your hands. I'm good, man. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm uh, just, uh, just sitting down and breathing a little heavy, heavy. It's like, oh, I'm being too old, Adam. That's all I gotta say. You're, we are breathing heavy. What? You just walk upstairs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's... When I used to, when I used to work at uh, that big apartment complex in North Spokane, and there was like 30 buildings, I used to have to go up and down stairs like all day long to do this, that, and the other. Oh my God, that was the best shape of my life. But now you're not in any good shape. You, you sit at a sit at a desk all day, and you're a pencil pusher. I'm a fat cat. I sit around and, like, collecting dead birds and, like, cackling and eating out of the garbage and trying to attract other alley cats. <laughs> uh, so, um, so, yeah, um, well, welcome to our show. Um, you know, we got, a, we got a new show. I mean, if Adam's, you know, thing didn't give, away, give it away, we're, uh, we're doing Rockers, Rocco's Modern Life this week. So, uh, oh! Yeah, so I'm pretty... Uh, Pretty excited about that. Um, How excited are you, that, Brennan? Uh, on a scale of one to ten, I'm about a seven. So yeah, I mean that's. I mean, maybe if, if you maybe close, maybe closer to six. Let's do six and a half. You know, when a lot of, when you ask a guy, so what'd she look like, and he says she was seven, you always know she was a six. <laughs> so what if, what do you like tell a guy that the girl's a a ten? Well, then you, either he's in love or, I mean, I guess there's a rare chance she actually is a 10, but I doubt it. Usually he's just a liar. Or, you know, everything's relative. So sometimes if you've been, like, dating sea donkeys your whole life and then you do get, like, a legit 7 or maybe, dare I say, 8, they probably are a 10 in your eyes. So maybe you're not lying. You're just, your perception is just askew. Yeah, I mean... I've been I've dated a ten my whole life, so that's all I gotta say about that. Point made. <laughs> uh, so um let's first I mean let's thank some of our uh you know, our loyal listeners. Um I don't have my list in front of me of all the, you know, people have been listening to the show, but uh I was wanna thank you know, thank if you're listening to the show, um our last two shows have been a couple of our most quickly listened to episodes yet and uh did you call it quickly quick quickly quickly oh quickly quickly. listen to i thought you said quickly like that's some sort of new internet slogan for yeah that's quickly you know quickly click on it that's not a terrible we we should start that (laughs) quickly okay so we're gonna make a really quickly show today yeah we're hopefully we'll make a really quickly show today um but i also wanted to you know i said like i said thank our friend I wanted to, you know, plug our 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 friends, uh, our friend Kyle Van Kubik's uh, Kickstarter. His uh, "Don't Drink Drugs" campaign is still going on. It's about halfway there, so uh, you know, just uh, help. You know, I, I I don't. I wish we had talked about this off the air, but we don't talk much off the air these days because you have twins. But uh, <laughs> I would I would ask. Don't drink drugs. Does that mean don't drink alcohol? Or I'm I'm actually a little confused by the slogan. 
I, I think it's a bit of like a tongue in cheek. Like it's kind of well, he if you if you if you on the Kickstarter if you read the Kickstarter page, Adam, he tells you the story about why it's called Don't Drink Drugs, and it's because he was driving down the road with his like I believe it was his younger sister, like, um, and she like she yelled something out of the back seat, said and she said Don't Drink Drugs, and him and his wife thought it was hilarious, and uh, and he decided that he needed to you know. Make a T-shirt that says okay. that. Okay, so it's straight um, from the mouth of babes. I get it. Exactly. Yeah, and so yeah, you can find you can find the link to his Kickstarter on our Facebook page. Um, so we appreciate him doing that, and uh, and yeah, it is a cool uh, design. And you got anyone to think? Yeah, um, lots of people. Landon Watkins um, continued sport uh, texted me the last couple of weeks, uh, compliments, things he liked about the show. Um, much much love to him. Uh, you know, all of our Facebook Legion, you guys are awesome. Uh, Autumn Leah Duke, she's a big fan too. So, um, yeah, you guys keep it up. We really do uh, get fuel from it. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. And, know that. And, you know, I, I think I've been told by a couple of people they've listened to my show recently and they said, like, every, like, our last episode was the best. And it just keeps on getting better and better. So I want to thank everyone. Um, you know, for listening. And the other thing I wanted to say is, currently there's this, there's a uh, on CNN there's this whole series going on called the called the 90s. And the first episode last week was um, about TV shows in the 90s. And I I watched the first episode last night and I thought it was like really good. So if you really love the 90s like we do, you should uh, you should go check out that show and you know. So what? So what shows? Do, what shows did they talk about? They talked about every show last night. Like they talked about. Oh really. They talked about science. Like you talk about, like, was it like quick networks. hitters though? Like they well, talk like, about it for like thirty seconds and move on. Well, it's not like it's, it's like it's like it, it it kind of forms like a thought. Like they kind of like they talk about one show and that quickly turns into like them talking about you know all like shows. They mostly they're talking about in the nineties about how they they quickly like the eighties was so like you know like family friendly shows like very like. Nothing really was like out there. Like you know, you had like Cosby Show, you had Cheers, you had Mash, um, and I don't even think Mash was really that much of the '80s. But like it was, it was all very family friendly. There wasn't really like uh, I, I can't name all the shows in the '80s. I don't really know that many. But then you get in the '90s, and early in the '90s, like all the shows that were coming on were all very like you know kind of out there. Like Twin Peaks was a big one. Like that came out in April of 1990, and that show was like had never been done on, like, uh, on TV before. Like, that type of show had never been on TV before. Like, Seinfeld was, like, you know, starting to go, getting strong. And it was, and Seinfeld was, this is what they talk about in the the series, is, like, Seinfeld was really a show about nothing. Like, and that's, like, their big, that was, like, their big shit. And then, you know, like. Well, yeah, that, that was the pitch. That was the pitch. Right. Larry David, yeah. like, Larry David, like, writes about his own life a lot. And they did a few episodes on Seinfeld about pitching the show Seinfeld. It was actually, like, really fun. And so, and then, you, and of course, you had, like, The Simpsons, and you had, and you had, you, just, you had a bunch of, like, cable TV that just wasn't being done ever. And, and you had the explosion of, of cable, like, how you went from having just, you know, 20 channels on basic cable to, like, having this 150 channels. And how you get the expansion of, like, news networks, and you get all, like, and how... Basically, TV just completely changed in the 90s. 
And that's, like, one of my favorite yeah. things about the 90s is that, like, about growing up in the 90s is that we were really part of this, like, explosion of, of like, culture. Like, it was really, like, this is when, like, the Internet hit. This is when, like, this is when everything that's so popular right now kind of got its, like, foothold in our lives. And, like, we were, in 1990, we were six years old, and we were just experiencing it. So, like, that's why I don't like relating myself to millennials is because I would, like, we, me and you were there. We knew what it felt like to put a VCR, put a, uh, a tape in a VCR, like a cassette tape. Like, millennials are, are typically kids that are born, like, in our time frame, but, like, they just don't have any grasp on, like, what it was like to have, like, you know, analog stuff. So AOL Internet? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, um, so, I was reading something on Facebook last week that it was probably just some BS article, but it was trying to uh, it was trying to define people born from 1977 to 1983 as some as some subset of like Gen X and Millennial. You know, they were called Xenials or Xenials. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I kind of like that. I agree with you. I agree with that. I've never associated with the ideals of millennials ever. That's not to say that uh, they're all wrong, but they're certainly not the way I grew up thinking. So I, anyway, we don't need to talk about that. But uh, yeah. so, so check out CNN. Um, it's not just there for fake news. They do uh, these shows for print. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So uh, we, should, uh, we should get back to the main story, though. Story A, the screenwriter would call it. Um, and that is, that is, uh, we're talking today about another Nick tune, Rocco's Modern Life. Ow! Ow! Good one. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I remember, I remember the debut of this show very well. I was a huge Nickelodeon Nick tune fan. Oh, what I was going to say to your point a minute ago was you were talking about how, uh, the channels went from like 10 to 50 or 60 or so when we were little. I seriously remember the conversation at my dinner table where my mom told me the good news that there was going to be a channel called Nickelodeon and it was going to be all for kids and that I would be able to watch shows that I like, like, all the time. Like, that's all that was going to be on. And I remember thinking at that time that that was amazing. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. when you have, like, ten channels, you're watching what everybody's watching. I mean, we were usually watching, like, sports at my house. But if we weren't watching, there was like a small handful of shows. Like my parents like Johnny Carson, stuff like that. Anyway, but they weren't like kids shows, you know. So that right. was like a big deal to me. And I, I like ate it up. I was like ready for Nickelodeon to come out. I like watched all the shows. I remember like staying home from sick when I had chicken pox in first grade and watching like that whole lineup. Like Maya the Bee, the Noozles. I can't remember the name of it. I think it's called The Adventures of Koalas. It was called Every Day <laughs> oh. Time to Play with Rubber and His Friends. I don't know the name of it. I, I, don't, I, remember, I kind of vaguely remember that. Uh, David, did you say David the Gnome? The Secret Life of David I the didn't, Gnome? I didn't say David Gnome, but that was definitely on the lineup, as was, I think it was called The Adventures of Fred Penner. He was like this nerdy Canadian dude, I think, and he, would like, he was like a hippie, and he would hang out in the woods, and he would just play his banjo about songs, and the songs were like, why it's good not to step on anthills, and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so I was a Nicktoon. So the preface is, I was a Nicktoon kid, and I love, I love the whole Nickelodeon lineup. And then when the original set of Nicktoons came out, you know, Ren and Stimpy, uh, Rugrats, and Doug, I was like all about it. And then a couple years in, 
there was like this big announcement that there was going to be a fourth Nicktoon. And I was like, no effing way. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. even more goodness than, even more goodness in my life. And even more than that, it was like a, it was being touted as like a Nickelodeon produced. I didn't really know what that meant at the time. I just meant, I just thought that that meant it was going to be extra good. Anyway, so <laughs> I remember like watching the premiere. I think it may have even premiered on SNCC, honestly. Um, because I feel like it was at nighttime when I watched it. But anyway, um, Rocco came on the TV, and I, I, didn't, I didn't fully know what to expect. But um, anyway, the very first episode plays, and it's this episode where there's like a – it's about like this broken-down vacuum cleaner. Um, I think it's called Suckomatic. <laughs> so the, the, first, the first episode was called Suckomatic, and the very beginning of the episode starts, and like Rocco – is being really mean and angry and it's like a close-up of his face. And I was like, oh, no. I was thinking, I'm not going to like Rocco. The main character is like a jerk. And, then it, and you think he's talking to Heifer, the big fat cow. And it pans out and he's actually talking to his vacuum cleaner. And it turns out Rocco's a really nice guy. And so anyway, that's my – I, like, remember that moment so vividly. Uh, and the, and the lead-up to all that and my, like, hype and excitement. There's going to be a fourth Nicktoon. And then it came out. And Rocco was actually really awesome. Like, it, it took most people, like, a couple episodes to kind of get the flavor of it, but it was actually really, really funny. Like, I still think Rin and Stimpy was better, but I definitely slot Rocco as, like, number two below that at the time. Like, I, in my age group, you know, I, I was already kind of starting to age out of Rugrats. I think I was already, like, 11. So, like, right. Rocco was, was a little more adult. It had a little more, like, gross-out humor, and uh, there, there was a lot of adult, hidden adult humor, too, that I missed at the time. And we'll get to a little bit of that later. But essentially, the show's about this little wallaby, which is a small kangaroo, and he lives in the United States, and he wears this little blue shirt with triangles on it. And he's got this friend who's this big, fat cow named Heifer who's like a, a slob, and Heifer, like, lives at home. And Heifer lives with a family of wolves, which is weird. <laughs> he was adopted by a family of wolves. And then uh, Rocco has this other friend named Filbert who's a turtle, and that was the impression I was doing at the beginning of the show. And he works at a comic book store, at least he does in the beginning. He right. graduates out of that eventually. And then he has this little dog named Spunky. He doesn't, he doesn't really talk, but he's really cute. And he's always getting in trouble. And then he's got these neighbors named the Big Heads, who are like these big, loud, like, toads, I think. I think so, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, and uh, I, I, the show is about how this Australian wallaby has to assimilate to this crazy... American lifestyle and how everything's new and different and weird to him. And uh, it's great. You get to see, like, Rocco experience all these American things for the first time. And, of course, it's, like, the worst examples of everything. Um, but it was a really, really – it was, like, a really, really funny show. It was it was definitely more Ren and Stimpy than any of the other Nicktoons, uh, but had a, had its own little original flavor and flow. And, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the synopsis. I, I don't know what else I'd say. Um about the cartoon synopsis, but it was really successful. I remember a lot of people that I grew up with, we all liked it, we watched it, and we talked about it. So, yeah. What, what do you yeah. remember most about it? I, when you, when we talked about doing this show, like, months ago, and I was like, I don't really, I don't remember the show at all. Like, I, I, I definitely watched it, but it might have been one of those shows I just, like, like, half-watched, and, like, and just kind of, like, it was just kind of there. Like, it wasn't like I got really into it. Um, the, all the episodes are, you, you know, they're arranged in, like, serials, so, like, it's just, like, one quick, like, 12-minute episode, and then another, 
quick 12-minute episodes. But, like, there's no, like, continuation in the stories, really. Um, so I don't really, like, you don't, I don't really remember too much about it. Like, it was, like, Rugrats in that way. But, like, I, this wasn't very memorable for me. And so, like, I had to, like, kind of, like, get ready for this show. I, like, I bought, I bought the first season. It actually wasn't the first, I bought the best of the first season. So I, I realized I wasn't watching the, I, these shows in order. But, um. Okay. But I watched the first so like, what, three episodes. and So what, epi- like, what episodes were they? The, the episodes I watched was, the, it was called this one episode called Carnival Knowledge, where uh, yeah. Rocco and Heifer go to a, this carnival that's like on like a land like on a landfill, and like, and and so like, and the show and like, and it was just I was like I, the show was so just it was like so disgusting. There were like so many like weird things that were like happening in the show. I was just like, this show is like a trip. Like it's like I'm like I took an acid and I'm like <laughs> I'm like I've never done acid but like I like but I'm like I'm tripping cuz like this is like the weirdest show. Like I can't believe this show was ever picked up by Nickelodeon because like every like it was all these references um and all these like adult references so like the opening line in that show was like Rocco like asked Heffer he's like we're pretty good mates, right? And then Heffer says to him, "Is this about how I owe you money?" <laughs> like, and like, <laughs> as as like a child, like you don't really get that. Like, but as an adult, you totally get that. <laughs> like, you, you like everyone has like a friend that like owes them money. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but like, so like yeah, I watched the I watched the first like three episodes, and they were just before very you move, before before you move on from Carnival Knowledge. There's this great scene where they get on like a like a log ride. It's like a downhill like splash mountain type ride. And then yeah. this this guy holds up the sign that says like caution you may get wet and then he pulls out a hose and sprays them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was so funny. <laughs> um, all right, go then, on. Keep going. What, then, what other so, episode did you watch? And then the next episode I'll talk about this first episode. And the next episode I watched was it's called Stand in Your Navel and like <laughs> Rocco what was has it to like stand in your navel and like Rock has Rocco has to like he's, it's really hot out he's like and he's like melting in his house like and that's another thing the visuals of like him sweating like it's just like water like just pouring off of his face and it was really it's just really kind of like disgusting like it looks, looks kind of gross and like yeah and so he takes his dog Spunky to the beach and it's about like the you know the the trials of, like, trying to, to get parking at the beach. Like, have you ever, like, driven to the beach? Oh, college? yeah, yeah. You know how terrible doesn't parking he get, is. Doesn't he get stuck in, like, this giant hippo woman's breasts or something? Yeah, then that's what I was going to say next. And then, like, he gets on the beach and, like, this, like, giant hippo woman, like, tries to, like, like ask him, like, hey, can you... And she has this, like, really, like, weird voice, but, like, hey, can you can you put some sunscreen on my back? And, um... <laughs> and, like, Roscoe, like, climbs up on this hippo and... And then it flips and falls in her breast. And, like, the image is just, like, Rocco looking up at this woman in her, like, in her, like, breast. It, it was just, it wasn't very kid-friendly at all. And, um... That's awesome. And so, that was my, you know, kind of, like... And then, okay. And, like, Spunk, I don't Spunky remember, gets... I don't Spunk, Spunky gets stolen by, like, a bird or a vulture yeah. or something? Yeah. Does that, that happen? Yes, yeah, that happens. They have a very, you have a very good memory of the show. 
Uh, no, I'm telling you, I really <laughs> liked this show. <laughs> so, but I was just like, I was amazed, like, about, um, about like how adult humor this was, and it kind of made me think about like, oh, like this is totally like, this. It reminded me a lot of um, SpongeBob, like the same like kind of archetypes, like yeah, SpongeBob is like kind of Rocco, and then like Patrick is kind of Pepper, like kind of, and then yeah, um, yeah, I guess. But anyway. Um, I won't, we don't need to go into that, but like, yeah, well, I thought it was, I thought it was hilarious. Like, as like an adult, I was like really enjoying the show. Like, I was just like, this is a very, like, good, like adult, like cartoon. Um, yeah, um, I, I would say that the first season definitely seemed to have a lot more like gross stuff in it. Like, it seemed like there was a lot more potty humor in season one, and and as the characters got sort of, you know, better flushed out you got a lot more character humor in the later seasons, just FYI, in case you were going to watch more. I, and I would say that to all of you. So the first season is a little is a little potty humor-based, but seasons like two, three, four, five, there was a lot of just contextual humor. Like, I felt like the show evolved, too, a lot. And uh, anyway, so if, if you liked it a little bit, keep watching. I think you'll like it even more. So you, so you would say, like, it gets better as, like, as it goes on. Like... Yeah, you got you got really echoey all the stuff, by the way. But yes, I do. Yeah. Um, there was one other I'll, quick tangent. There was one other episode in season one that was really, really, really disgusting. It was I think I I remember the name of the title. I think I think it was called In Fly Influenza, and it was a it was like a pun on influenza, and it was about Rocco getting the flu, and like like he yeah. throws up. He did you watch this one? I didn't watch it, but I'm, I'm looking up the, looking up the episodes right now, and like that. Okay, flu, so Rocco flu, like, flu throws, in you in the <laughs> yeah, flu in you in the. So Rocco like throws up at the beginning of the episode, and he's all like on cough, like cold medicine and stuff. He like throws up like a little piece of pizza and like a hot dog and like something else, and they become like his like a little his little like cold medicine hallucination friends that like help him get better. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> like these little pieces of vomit, like come to life, and like I mean, they don't look like vomit, but he did vomit them up. So anyway, it was pretty, it was pretty gross, and there was all kinds of body fluids always in, in the first season, but it was still funny. It still managed to be funny, and and I mean at the time, you know, I was young enough that I, I didn't, it didn't bother me too much. I don't know how much I like it today, but I know that the the, the rest of the show is also really really good. So you watched one other episode. What was it? Um, it's called Who's Coming to Dinner, and basically Hepper takes Rocco to meet his family. Oh, my and God. That is a great episode. Tell me, <laughs> tell me about it. And basically the plot is that um, Rocco goes, he thinks he's going to meet you know, Hepper's parents, and like he doesn't realize that Hepper is raised by wolves, which is really, really funny. And, and the first thing Hepper says to Rocco when they get there is like, um, just to let you know, my my grandfather doesn't like wallabies, but he can't see very well, so we're just going to say um, you're some other, like, uh, other animal. And uh, I forget what he a said. A beaver. But, oh, a rabbit. No, they said it was going to be a rabbit. And then... Okay. And then the grandfather, like, says... Like, he says to him, like, oh, who's this? Is this a beaver? I can smell a beaver from a mile away. And, uh, <laughs> And that's where I was just like, 
this show is probably just filled with stuff like that, like one-liners that are just like art that are so like sexually like like subliminally sexual and stuff like that. Like I, I thought it was hilarious. And the, the, I don't really remember too much about the like the whole plot. Like the, he, I think Heifer ends up finding out that he's not really he's his parents aren't really his parents. He's adopted, and that his parents right. are his parents like gave him up for adoption, and so he has to like deal with that. And so he like goes and finds like his dad's grave and his dad basically like tells him like he, his dad comes out of the grave in like a thought bubble and like basically tells Heifer that he's like why do I have all these kids coming and trying to find me I have like 500 of you like just leave me alone like kind of thing and and I don't know there's another episode I watched about where wait before you move on there's this Go ahead. there's this great scene there's this great scene in that one yeah. where they they have to like chew grandpa's food. <laughs> Do you remember this? Like the grandpa, the grandpa's like really old. And he doesn't have teeth, and so, and I'm pretty sure they like serve like a dead deer, like in the middle yep. of the dinner table to everybody. <laughs> so like they bring out dinner, it's just like literally like a dead deer carcass, and Rocco's like, uh, and like they have to, somebody has to chew grandpa's food for him, and it's like so, it's like so funny. <laughs> He, like, grabs the food out of his mouth with a fork, and he, like, slides it down to Grandpa's throat. Oh, and it looks just so disgusting because it's, like, got to be – it's all pre-chewed. Yeah. Anyway. One of the things I thought was really funny about the show is, like, every episode, every scene frame of Pepper's that he's eating something. Like, in the episodes I've watched, he's at the carnival, he's eating something. He's at the – another episode is, like, Rocco's, like, going to get a membership at a health club, and, like, every, episode, every scene, like, Pepper's eating something else. And and Heifer's a cow, and so but Heifer Heifer's favorite food is chicken. Um, right, chunky chicken. Yeah, and I I just thought that was really or no no Chokey Chicken. That's the name of the the franchise. They go to like Chokey Chicken. It's like a fast food restaurant. Uh, but then he and also, Heifer like, like later in the series, Heifer like chokes on a piece of chicken and he like goes to hell for being yeah. a glutton. I, so I, and I so I, the episodes I watched, I didn't get any introduction to the big heads or or Filbert or yeah, Filbert. So I didn't really get to experience those characters at all. So why don't you talk about let's talk about those characters? Well, the big heads were just kind of loud and obnoxious. Um, well, Ed Bighead was the um, the the dude. So Ed and Bev Bighead were Rocco's neighbors, and Bev kind of had like this little like friendly crush on Rocco like, in sort of, like, this weird old lady, next-door neighbor lady way. And plus, Ed is, like, um, Ed works, I'm pretty sure Ed works for, like, a big faceless corporation. He just yells a lot, and he's, like, really into his lawn and stuff like that. And, um, you know, they're, they're mostly just, like, side humor. I wouldn't say, they are not really principal characters at all. Um, and But they're toads, and what makes that funny is they 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 have this weird, like, foreplay thing that they do when, when they're, like, getting along the big heads where, like, one of them throws plates up in the air, and the other one smacks it with their with their long frog tongue and breaks the plate. I, I can't explain. <laughs> so they'll, like, be in the bedroom, and, like, and like Big Head will be in his, like, his boxers, and Bev will be throwing the plates up in the air and making, like, these kind of little sexual noises, like, oh, Ed, and then Ed's tongue will shoot out of his mouth and smack the plate and break it, and then she'll get all excited, like, ow. Anyway, it's... <laughs> I don't even know what that is. There's all kinds of stuff like that show. Like, where did they get that? 
<laughs> anyway, um, so the big heads, the big heads are, are aren't they're kind of flat characters. They, they don't have big arcs or anything. And then, like around season two or so, Filbert becomes sort of a, a, a principal character and like their friend. They meet him at the comic book store, and he sort of starts working his way into all the episodes. And he's he's just this kind of like shy, frustrated, nerdy turtle with like this giant shell and glasses. And he has this really funny voice. He's like, "Hello, Rocco." He's got this like kind of really funny slow delivery. And uh, the the show goes on, and he like marries this like cat lady who has like a hook for a hand. And they have like these little like babies in like season five. <laughs> anyway, um, it's it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird show, honestly, but it's it's funny and it it never it never takes itself seriously at all. And I think that's my favorite part is that it knows it's just kind of this weird quirky show. And and there's there's a there's a handful of just amazing episodes, just amazing episodes. Um, yeah, why but you know, I, why you why you, tell me like your just your favorite one? Like I I mean I. Okay, okay. Yeah, my favorite, and maybe this is because I'm I'm like a writer. But my favorite episode is there's this – it's like in season three or four. The Big Head son I, – I can't remember his name. I think it's Ralph. I think his name is Ralph Big Head. Ralph Big Head is like a, like a big shot Hollywood, you know, writer or director or something. And he's been working on like this, this really, really successful but stupid show. And I think it's called The Fathead. And it's about, like, these two just big, mean, green monsters that yell at each other and break things a lot. And it's clearly, like, he's clearly, like, portraying his parents. You know what I mean? Like, they're clearly the big head just from, right. you know, this guy's perspective. And anyway, and Ralph, like, hates the show. He thinks it's really stupid. And it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like uh, that show Extras with Ricky Gervais where he's on that, like, really stupid, um, like, catchphrase show that he really doesn't like and he wants to work on something better. It's, it's kind of exactly like that. So Ralph decides that he wants to make some new show and he, and he wants to, he wants to get fired so he can get out of his contract so he can do, go do what he really loves, which is create this grand sculpture. Anyway, so he hires like Filbert, Rocco and Heifer to come be like writers on his show. And he gives them like full creative con- <laughs> and he gives them like full creative control. And, like, the three of them, and, like, essentially Heifer comes up with this idea to make this, this cartoon about deli meats. And the name of the show is Wacky Deli. And Wacky Deli is all about, like, these pieces of salami and stuff that uh, live in this deli. And anyway, and, and they put together this really, really awful show. And the only thing I remember about it is it didn't have any real flow to it, and it was poorly drawn, but there was this character like Filbert like loves this character called the cheese and he thought all the other characters were stupid and, and everyone was going rogue and doing their own thing on this production. So when the, when the episode cut was done, there's all these moments where like the cheese is randomly inserted into the show and it's Filbert's voice. And all you can hear him is like, I am the cheese. I am the best character on the show. All the other characters are stupid and should not be on the show. <laughs> anyway, so at the, at the end of it, uh, they convince Ralph that he's got this great Ralph Bighead. Ralph Bighead watches their show, and it's, like, terrible. He's like, this is awful. It's definitely going to get me fired. But they play it, and, like, everybody loves it. Like, it's this huge success. And Ralph is, like, credited as, like, genius again. You know what I mean? And Ralph is, like, so frustrated. He's like, I hate this show. I just want to get fired. 
and literally Heifer and Rocco are making, like, the worst cartoon ever. And it keeps getting all these, like, amazing, like, newspaper reviews and stuff like that. And then one time, like, Ralph, like, sabotages the show, and it's, like, um, he completely ruins the print. So it's, like, it's like 30 minutes of darkness, and they air the 30 minutes of darkness. And then, like, the newspaper headline the next day is, like, 30 minutes of darkness is genius! <laughs> and then there's one episode it's literally just a can of mayonnaise sitting there for the entire episode and it's like mayonnaise takes our breath away there's a climax here and the, the Ralph gets Ralph decides that he's got the wrong attitude and he should just embrace all this fame so he gets back involved with the show and he tries to make like the best show possible and he makes like this sort of like nutcracker, like, uh, wacky deli deli items on ice, like, musical rendition of the show, and he airs it, and it's like a huge flop, and they cancel the show. <laughs> and then at the, at the very end of the episode, a crazed Ralph Bighead is, like, out in the middle of the desert, sculpting this, like, um, this scene of, like, a fruit bowl out of, like, these giant rocks, and he's like, finally! my masterpiece is done! And he's staring at this giant masterpiece that he's built by hand. And this random, like, guy walks by and he goes, yeah, that's pretty good, but have you seen Wacky Deli? (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. (laughs) So, and I I remember thinking that was so funny. And it's, like, so America. You know what I mean? Like, you work so hard on, on, like, something and nobody gives a crap. They only care about, like, the stupid, like, fart joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, they only, they only care about, like, jackass and, like... Yeah, so that was my favorite episode. I thought, it, I thought it was... I mean, there's a handful of other good episodes, but, I mean, I we don't need to get into them. They're all kind of the same. They're, it's a good show, and we really encourage you guys to go back and check it out. You will not regret it. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the creator, uh, Joe Murray. So I, I read an article about... No, no, no. Jeff Swampy Marsh? Wait, I thought Joe Murray. Oh, he's the animator. He was the creator. Jeff Swampy Marsh was the creator, and and he um he worked on The Simpsons as like a storyboard artist for like six years, and uh, then he worked on King of the Hill a little bit, and he and anyway he also did Rocco, and, oh, and okay. got and Rocco was really popular, and in like ninety six ninety seven he developed the and pitched the pilot for Phineas and Ferb, and like nobody took it. Everyone thought it was, like, you know, not good enough. And then, like, he never he never gave up on Phineas and Ferb. Mm-hmm. And he kept working on it and kept networking with more people and adding more people to the team and trying to, like, redraw the pilot and all that. And, like, t- like almost ten years later from which he originally pitched and conceived Phineas and Ferb, Disney, like, picked it up for, like, a 26-episode season, which is, like... And I've mentioned this a few times, that I, I've, like, pitched producers in L.A. and stuff, and, like, that kind of stuff... Like those kind of stories are what pe- are what keep people like me like dreaming. Honestly, is, is like you because there's so every like Hollywood success story is like wrought with tons and tons of failures before it. Like Hollywood is so like subjective, and like 99 people will say no to like Braveheart, and then Braveheart gets green. I mean, this isn't a, that actually didn't happen. Braveheart. This is an example. But then like the hundred pros says yes. Braveheart gets made and it wins, like, Academy Awards. Like, there's examples like that everywhere. You know what I mean? And so, right. Like, I really, Jeff Swampy Marsh, you know, really funny guy. I really like Rocco, really like Phineas and Ferb, and uh, just happy for him and, and happy to see those kind of stories. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, I will say this. Um, he, so, 
Jeff Swampy, what's his name? Swampy March? Yeah. Uh, he, he was just an animator on the show, like, and producer. Like, Je- uh, Joe Murray, who I was talking about, was, uh, he created the show. Like, he actually, like, created, created the show. Um, and was an animator himself. And so that's why I was bringing up Joe Murray. Um, and Joe Murray, like, he came up with, he, before Rocco Martin, Rocco's Martin Life, he also came up with a show called uh, My Dog Zero. I don't really, didn't, it was before Rocco Martin, Rocco's Martin Life, but, uh, um, but yeah, I, I'm not, I, they might have collaborated on it, so the Joe Murray created it. Just FYI. Understood. Understood. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, what I was going to say about Joe Murray, I read a quote from the creator, Joe Murray, and he was talking about, like, when we were pitching Rocco, like, he didn't, he didn't think the show would actually get picked up. Like, he was just like, that idea, it was a little bit out there, and the one thing he stressed in Nickelodeon is that I make cartoons, but I don't make them for children. And at the time, Nickelodeon just wanted original programming. They didn't really care about, I don't think they really cared about how... You know, candy was or, or bad, like yeah, have like the undertones more like in early like in early nineties like Nickelodeon was just trying to get a foothold foothold in like you know programming like they wanted to get people watching their stuff and so they just kind of they, they put the to get together create original programming but um but everything they kind of put out there you know had undertones like Ren and Stimpy for one is, you know definitely a show we'll do in the future but like. Uh, it's, you know, it, 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 that's a prime example of, like, you know, creative control. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, really. Like, shows like Nickelodeon now, like, they don't exist like this. Like, I mean, I fun thoughts a lot, but I, I have to imagine that that has been told out on that match. Like, you're, uh, you're getting really, you're, hey, Brennan, you're getting really echoey again. Uh, but, yeah, I imagine, like, shows like, you know, Spongebob that are still on, like, are really, really toned down. So, um, and all I know, like, all I know is that the, the, the leverage, the leverage has shifted away from the writers more and more and more and more over the years. And the writers are becoming, like, more and more kind of replaceable, unless you're, like, the best of the best. And then you have all the leverage in the world, but it's really tough to climb that mountain. So that makes sense that uh, writers and creators had a lot more creative control and influence over the, the direct level of content. These days, the studios have all the control, and if you don't, if you don't like, you know, drink their soup, they're just going to find somebody else that will. But that, but I, that's why I feel like so you're, we're getting, like now we're, we are getting on stuff, but it's not coming from, you know, the cable network. It's, it's coming from, you know, the Hulus, the Amazons, and uh, Netflix, you know, like, uh, and that's what's that's that's like that's a market in action. Like that's that's you've got these talented writers and creators, and they're trying to get stories told, and they can't through all the network red tape through all the traditional means. And so there are other opportunist platforms like Netflix that are saying, "Hey, you know what, guys that wrote Stranger Things, we think this is awesome. Like we're gonna make this. Like Stranger Things, Stranger Things got turned down again and again and again and again, and everyone said it was too old and it's." Nobody will get it, and everyone's forgotten the 80s, and you can't make a show where the protagonists are like, you know, 12-year-old boys. It, it can't be done. Adults won't connect with it. And it's like, they were all just wrong. It's just because right. they hadn't seen it before. It, 
it was, and that's literally it. it. It's too risky. And if you haven't seen it before, you don't, you don't want to see it. You don't want to do it. But other platforms that are opportunists, they want to take advantage of stuff like that. And, and that's, it's a really exciting thing for, for me and people that I know that there's all these other platforms that are, are producing mm-hmm. original content. And you can, and Netflix is like almost like king of, king of that now. And you can go way down below that where like, there's literally like YouTube series getting made now and Vimeo and stuff like that. And I know that doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but like five years ago, or 10 years ago, if I told you anything was on YouTube, you'd probably, like, roll your eyes now. People watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. And oh, totally. you, you, have, you have to recognize these trends. And so if you can get a foothold at, like, Vimeo or YouTube and get something made now, you know, that, that could be – you could be a trendsetter. You could be the stranger things of YouTube. You know what I mean? If it's good enough, people will find out about it through the Internet and social media, and they'll watch it. And that's, and that's what everyone is, is being proven. And that's what's really exciting. And that's, that's the hope that creatives like me have that creativity and writing will win in the end, not studios. Right. I mean, and, and back to the 90s, like, that's basically what, you know, Nickelodeon, not Nickelodeon, but, like, HBO and Showtime were in the 90s. Like, that's where all the, you know, the, the out, kind of out there, like, shows kind of got their, their foothold. And, and the networks. I mean, the, I mean, the 90s was a different time. Like, any, they were just trying to get, like, in the, the series I was watching, they were just networks were just trying to get a foothold, trying to get viewers, and like, and then that, and and when Fox came in and stuff like that, like it was just very competitive. And now it's just like there's nothing good on networks anymore. Like nobody, I mean, I I honestly can say I don't even watch network TV anymore. There's not a show on network TV even worth watching. So I watch Survivor, but I can't think of anything else. All the and that's a reality show. All those like. Um, all those like comedies, like Two Broke Girls and Two and a Half Men, and all, they're all just kind of the same to me. It's not that they're mm-hmm. bad necessarily. It's just I don't know. I've seen it. I know. I like. Right. I I know exactly the flavor of like every episode, and I don't know. It just it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me. But when you're when you're marketing to the masses, I, and this is going to sound so snobbish, but when you're marketing the masses, you have to appeal to lower common denominators. You know what I mean? You just have to. That's how math works. So, <laughs> so, anyway. No, that's true. No, I no, I agree with you. Like, it, I mean, the more progressive, more stuff is on, you know, it's on the page, the, you know, page services. <laughs> so, I think the point we're trying to make, we're thinking what the point we're trying to make is that Rocco was kind of a trendsetter. It was definitely like an original show, and um, yeah, it, you know, it, um, it's definitely worth the rewatch. Brennan just admitted he hasn't seen it in a long time. He didn't remember the show that well. Picked up three episodes, watched them, really enjoyed them, and uh, I think you guys would too. So definitely check out Rocco. It's an awesome show. Yeah, and, and, the, and the reason why we're actually didn't doing this show is because the story came out not too long ago uh, that they're going to be that Nickelodeon's going to be producing an hour long uh, like movie special, like, and they're going to bring back all the characters with Rocco for. You know, hour long special, and I imagine they're just doing this because to get a feel for if Rocco can exist again, um, or maybe it's just nostalgia, like for all of us. Oh, whatever, whatever. I'm girls. excited. I'll watch. I'll yeah, watch definitely. it. So, but yeah, I mean, I'll, so it was definitely it was a good show, and I, I mean, I definitely don't think it was like it was a trench center in, in that case. But I think Red Sippy and Simpsons had already started doing that, but like it paid, it really did pave the way for you know, a lot of other shows on Nickelodeon. If it wasn't successful, then 
you wouldn't have probably gotten shows like SpongeBob. Um, and and I think the I think the next Nicktoon was Aw Real Monsters. Actually, mm-hmm. I think it went it went like Rocco Aw Real Monsters, and then like Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold. And then like yeah. a bunch a bunch of crap like. Uh, Team Rocket or like Rocket Family. What was that yeah, show? Yeah, because all, I feel like all those shows. They, 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 all, I mean, those were all you know, early Nicktoons, like the second wave. But like, they all kind of were came in comparison to like, I mean, and then SpongeBob came, and SpongeBob was like very like, it it was more in the vein of like it was a kids show, but it had like, but it also catered to like adults. Like, <laughs> yeah, a, a, I agree. And I, oh. I think that's what the Nicktoons after Rocco failed to do. I think you're right. right. So, but yeah, we'll get it. Well, we'll probably get, we'll probably get in, the, in the coming, you know, episodes in the future. We'll, we'll get some, a lot of those shows. So, um, all right, man. Well, uh, anything else you want to say about Rocco? I think I've pretty much uh, said my piece. No, I, I'm nothing else about Rocco. Um, what I will say is, like, hey, we we still have a twenty-five dollar gift card to Amazon. Up. All you have to do. It sent us a private message on Facebook, on our Facebook page, Super 90s Brothers, or email us at Super 90s, 90s spelled out, brothers, brothers spelled out, at gmail.com. That's Super 90s Brothers, all spelled out, at gmail.com. Send us your questions. I know my mom, um, she actually did ask us, she did ask us a question on Facebook. Um, she asked us, what was the most, um, what did she ask us the most, uh, what did she say? Like, what was the question she asked, Adam? You, I have no you idea. Respo- you responded to it with The Matrix. What was the most, like... Oh, uh, yeah. What was the most influential movie of the 90s for us? Uh, oh, you said The Matrix. Yeah, and, I, uh, I think it's probably The Matrix. I would say, like, The Matrix is probably the most influential in terms of, like, you know, movies coming out in the future. Like, they try to fit that mold more. Um, most influential movie of the 90s? Uh, probably A League of Their Own. That's all I gotta say. Oh man, that's lame. Maybe, 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 uh, Terminator 2? <laughs> Terminator, Terminator 2. Yeah. 2. Uh, Terminator 2, that's early 90s. And like, that's a, yeah, that, I would say like a, a film that's like really like, a, you know, that type of blockbuster. Like, that was really, you know, that was a rated R. Was that, that was rated R, right? That was a rated R blockbuster. And, Absolutely, um, that was rated R. <laughs> And I, that, that definitely paved the way for a lot of other good, like, action movies. Yeah, the others, um, like, I don't know, Dress. We mentioned these last podcast, Jurassic Park, yeah. Independence Day, uh, Men in Black. These were all, like, really popular 90s movies that, that did seem to start trends. Wild Wild West. Oh, God. that was. I mean, I never saw it. <laughs> Just joking. There's this, there's this one. <laughs> apparently, there, Luke, my old roommate Luke used to always tell this story, and I've actually never looked this up. But he always used to say that they they spent just tons and tons and tons of money trying to build a real spider that could act, of the size that they created in that movie that could actually move. And after they had wasted all this money, they realized like the physics of it didn't work. Like it was like physically impossible <laughs> to get this spider to move the way that the way they wanted. So it was just a bunch of wasted money. And in the end, it was like CG or whatever. That makes sense. So, yeah. Uh, so, I wanted to make sure we answered that question. <laughs> but I didn't All right, well. Was, but yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for the question, Judy. And uh, everyone else, please email the show. You can tweet us at Mode at Adam Petzler, or at Super90s Bros. And, yeah, follow us on Facebook, 
uh, Twitter. You can you can listen to us on Google Play or on iTunes oh. now, so that's awesome. Definitely. Go ahead. Yeah, I meant to mention that. We're on Google Play now for all of you non-iPhone users that don't use, you know, the podcast app. We're on Google Play for all your for all Android. But we also were originally on SoundCloud, so you can find us there. Okay, so SoundCloud, you, uh, Google Play, or iTunes. If you don't have one of those, you're just not trying. So anyway, for Britton Pointer, I am Adam J. Pitzler. This has been another Rocco's Modern Life tingling show. So we love you guys. Please interact with us. We'll talk to you later, man. Peace out. Peace.